Listener Production. Hey there, it's Amelia Oberhart. After the last few episodes, we've been inundated with questions from you. As a result, we've decided to bring forward one of our bonus episodes to try and help answer some of your questions. I do want to say a very big thank you to everyone that's reached out to share their stories with me and the Secrets We Keep team. It continues to shock us just how many people have been affected by the practices of historical forced adoptions. If you want to get in touch, email secretsweekeep at sca.com.au. Please note this is a shorter episode. We talk to an expert about the psychological impacts some have felt from forced adoptions. We'll be back in our normal format next week. Dr. Susan Green is a psychologist. She's also an adopted person herself. She started by explaining her adoption story. As a child, I didn't know any background, or most adopted children are are told I was given the chosen baby book and parents couldn't have a baby and they went and, you know, the social worker organised a child. Although I was told I smiled at my parents and chose them. It was a bit of the other way around. So I didn't know any of my background and I suppose as a child you often have a lot of fantasies and I used to have a fantasy that they were market gardeners and I was, came from an exotic culture and, <laughs> you know, they were married and they had crop failure and they couldn't afford to keep me or something, you know, I, all children have fantasies but it actually wasn't too far from the truth because my parents actually were married and I was the last of a very large family and I wasn't the only child adopted in that family, from that family. Um, my mother actually had a probably profound uh, depression after one of her other sons drowned. So my parents were married, and I suppose the thing about adoption is every story is unique. There's there's no one story that's the same, even though we often think of them being unwed mothers and so on. Some people were married. How did you come to find your parents? How did you come to find them? Well, I suppose that's one of the stories of why I got involved because at the time when there was non-identifying information, I went back to the agency where I was kept prior to adoption and a social worker sat across the table with my file and uh, said, excuse me, I need to go to the toilet and she left. And being a good adoptee, I didn't (laughs) walk around and sneak a look at my, my names. And so then I became quite angry about that, as well as chastising myself for being so stupid. So when the legislation changed, we were able to go to the agency that held our records and write to our parents and also go to birth, deaths and marriages and get our original birth certificate and our adoption file. And were your parents happy to see you and hear from you? Uh, Yes, yeah. I think it gave them a lot of comfort. Um, My father was dying at the time. Um, You know, if you want to talk about intergenerational impact, my other brothers and sisters said that after my mother had met me that she felt a lot lighter and she started hugging them and things like that. And I think she was very crippled by grief. She lost another child to adoption. And not everyone in the family knew about me. And You might think that's quite amazing these days that, you know, a 14-year-old sister wouldn't know her mother was pregnant because we sort of show it these days. (laughs) But in those days, she uh, worked hard cooking on farms and she wore a shift and some of 
my other siblings didn't even know of my existence, so um, that did actually happen. Dr Green went on to study psychology and it was her own personal experience that led her to specialise in adoption. She explained how being separated at birth can affect an adopted child. So, for example, there are a number of theories around why adoptees might have a greater incidence of anxiety and perhaps substance use issues. And part of that is being separated from birth when you've grown in utero, hearing your mother, knowing her, and to be separated at birth is a profound trauma. We call it a primal wound. And of course, it's stored in our implicit memory in our limbic system, but we're unable to record it because we don't have language as a baby, quite obviously. When there's a major trauma or stress like that, as, and we know in forced adoption often the babies weren't held and so on and so forth, increased cortisol and adrenaline, which are stress hormones, and decreased cortisone. And the neurons get fired up to be hypervigilant. So that can persist that people will overreact to events over time. And there's also the internalisation that being unlovable, you know, young children always self-reference that they're to blame. And so you have that combination. And then growing up, you also have the combination of perhaps it's secrecy, no one talking about your past, maybe feeling you don't fit in. We used to call it genetic bewilderment, but it's, uh, and probably unless you're adopted, you don't know what it's like to live with strangers with no one that you have a biological connection. You know, adoptees often call it coming out of the fog because we're sort of told adoption's a good thing. I should be grateful. You've got, had a good family. Why have you got any issues? But people often, when they talk to other adoptees or they have children of their own or they're exposed to media like a radio show like this, will come to think, oh, well, how... how did my adoption affect me? And coming to an, a greater awareness is one of the first parts of that challenge. And in terms of, um, of children that were adopted, you know, can you be simply unaffected or is it they're always, because of that, you know, what happens chemically at the separation, is it inherently in you no matter what you do? Look, many adoptees, because we feel we need to be grateful and we're very loyal to our parents, we're often overachievers, we're often <laughs> very compliant and those sorts of things. And there are many adopted people that say, look, I'm, yes, I'm very happy, I don't need to find out. They might have their own children and then maybe think about what their mother or their experience was. I mean, at different stages of life, people have different understandings and reflections on themselves. So that can happen. And the mothers that you've dealt with that were forced to give away their babies. What is their main emotions that they feel towards what happened to them? Oh, it's a deep loss and trauma and grief, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily lessen over time. And it doesn't necessarily lessen upon meeting their lost son or daughter either because they've lost all those years and they may not have been raised how they would have raised them themselves. And they often will feel very angry also because they, they were coerced into doing it at a vulnerable time of their own lives. And of course, for mothers, 
it's a very difficult grief because the child's physically not there but psychologically there. The ghost kingdom, we call it in the literature. And there's constant reminders and that grief can continue over time and can have flashbacks and a whole range of things that impact on mothers over time. So they're the sort of things that can occur. Dr Green explained the particular type of grief called disenfranchised grief that mothers and adopted people can experience. Disenfranchised grief means that it's a grief that's not acknowledged or supported by society. So for mothers, that's they're told to go away and live their lives and basically, you know, don't tell anybody. It's safe, you know, the kids won't come back. You know, you can live and forget about it. So we don't acknowledge that. And for the adoptive person, we don't acknowledge, you know, that sense of being different, the impacts being openly able to talk about it. So that can build an internal shame with people. And so, for example, if a mother doesn't share that and she goes on to have other children, she doesn't tell her husband, she doesn't tell other children, that may well affect the way she then parents because she's still grieving for that other child. It might mean that they're overprotective or, like in my mother's case, was unable to be very physically warm. So it impacts in a whole range of ways. Now that we know more about forced adoption, Dr Green is involved in training other therapists and counsellors to help those who might present with this sort of experience. Often it's not picked up because counsellors and therapists aren't trained in identifying what are the impacts of adoption and their naturally occurring impacts of adoption but often anxiety, depression, relationship difficulties, those sorts of things. We use a lot of personal experience in sharing what it was like, as well as the theory, understanding the societal context, because I think most young people now can't remember a time when it was a great sin to be a single parent or when you got married, you had to leave the workforce and there was no supporting parent benefit, those sort of things, the cultural and the power of religion at that time. So we do all that and we go through the assumptions and personal values people bring to a situation because we find a lot of people with an adoption experience go to therapists and they dismiss it because they don't understand the significance because they've been inculturated to think it's a good thing, a baby doesn't remember, it doesn't have any impacts, those sorts of things. When you understand the impact of adoption, then people linking their personal experience to adoption to some of their presentation is important. It's only when people start making the connection that they then start seeking help. So you, you may have a lot of people go to GPs and psychologists for anxiety, depression or substance abuse and adoption is never acknowledged. So it's only often when there's an awareness within themselves through talking to other adoptees or hearing programs like this that they think, yeah, this is a topic that I should explore. I hope this episode has given some more context and understanding about the potential impacts of forced adoptions. If this episode has raised any issues for you, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. If you've been affected by forced adoption practices, you can call 1800 21 0313 to be connected with the Forced Adoption Support Service in your state or territory. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with another episode next Tuesday, the 19th of September.